0: This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace.
1: Hello, and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Kay, your host for this podcast. God has called believers to live our life here on earth supernaturally. And when we do, our lives reflect Christ in such a way that we make the invisible God visible to the watching world, bringing glory to His name and blessings to our lives. But how do we live that supernatural life? Well, today we're going to discuss the provision that God has made for every believer to reveal the spectacularness of God through our very lives. Here to help us navigate through the scripture to discover God's provision is Dwight Edwards, senior pastor of Water's Edge Community Church in Houston, Texas. He's been a pastor for over 30 years and has ministered throughout the United States and around the world. Dwight studied at Dallas Theological Seminary and is a graduate of the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. He is a current best-selling author of books, including Kindling for the Fire, Revolution Within, and Releasing the Rivers Within. Welcome back to Saving Grace. My pleasure. So well, glad to be back. Well, so glad to get into this again. <laughs> uh, it was so exciting to talk about our calling and uh, just the desire that God has for us as his believers. What an awesome assignment he has given us. And we know, Dwight, that God always enables us. He provides for us to the things that he's called us right. to accomplish, so we can be confident that he has done that if he's calling us to supernatural lives, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh,
1: that's exciting. I know you have referred to this in uh, your book, Revolution Within, the, the provisions, the primary spiritual provisions that God has made. Give us a little overview, but then we'll kind of delve in and talk about them individually.
0: Well, I love to start this part of the talk, uh, the story that uh, Charles Spurgeon in his book All of Grace gives, because it it sets it up so well. And he says that there was a pastor in the north of England who had in his church this very uh, uh, poor widow, and he was home one day, and, and as he was praying, God was just Pounding on his heart, you need to go give her X amount of money from, from the church. And It was a pretty sizable amount, you know. And yeah. finally, he said, "Okay, this God's is what you want." So he goes down around noon, knocks on the door, no answer. Knocks on the door, no answer. Knocks one more time, and then just goes off. So he sees her that night at a, a church function, and he comes up to her and says, "Hey, I'm, I'm so sorry that I, that I missed you today when I came by the house." And she she said, "Well, what time did you come by?" He said, "Oh, around noon." And she said, "Well, you didn't miss me." He said, "Well." Why didn't you answer the door? And she said, because I thought you were just another um, debt collector. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: knowing that I didn't have nearly enough money to pay, I went and hid under the bed until you went away. And and Spurgeon goes on to say this. I think this is brilliant. He said, so many Christians see God as the moral uh, debt collector of the universe Mm -hmm. that he comes knocking at our door asking for his rightful due. You know, do this, don't do that, mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. And he, certainly he has that right. But what happens is that God always comes first to give. And so, like that night, he was able to give her this check for a huge amount of money for her. God's first movement towards us is always to give us outrageous, outlandish resources and then say, now, in light of this, Here's how you live. So, for instance, the book of Romans, basically chapters 1 through 11 are all about resource. And then in 12 through 16, we end up with responsibility. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 are all resource. And then we turn the corner in chapter 4 through 6, and it's responsibility. And the reason I bring this up is I think so often in the Christian world, what happens is a person trusts Christ, and the first thing we do is give them a list of things to do in order to start growing. Yes, And normally it's a very legitimate list. The first thing that should happen, I think Paul would say, is, Just stop right there and tell them who they are. (laughs) Tell them what's different about them coming out of conversion than going in. Mm. Just boggle their minds with what it means to be indwelt by God himself, uh, to be new creations in Christ, to be complete in him. And really, when they're overwhelmed by their resource, now we can talk to them about responsibility. So I I think this would make a huge difference. Huge difference.
1: Absolutely, because then you are compelled to go out and use the provision God has given you because you realize it's not of you, but you've got it. Exactly. I've said over the years, as as I've grown closer to the Lord, He just provides opportunity after opportunity for you to shine for Him if you are available and willing to do it, right? Absolutely. And and going back to that, you know, the the least of these, I always say, but Lord, I'm not qualified to do the things He's called me to do. And yet there's a fire of passion within me when I recognize that, yeah. Dwight, because I know he's going to enable right. me. And and he does. And he does.
0: I love this quote by Henry Black, Blackaby on that. He said, God will never call you to something you can do. Mm. And I think that's exactly right. God yeah. will never call you to something you can do. He will only call us to that which requires him. Yes. But if we don't know what those resources are... You know, we can't appropriate we, we, we can't appropriate, we can't appropriate what, right. you, you, what you don't know. And, and I would say that the church today is, is woefully ignorant mm-hmm. on who they are in Christ and all yes. the ramifications. I mean, you know, they understand justification, but basically it's, you know, I'm cleansed from my sins, and now I try to do the best I can.
1: Yeah, I'll try harder. Yeah, try, hard, exactly, <laughs> try exactly. harder. Exactly. Uh, exactly. What is holding us back from releasing our God-given provision?
0: Well, I do think, honestly, that uh, a, a fair amount of it is just knowledge that people really don't know what God has provided for them. You know, Mm -hmm. that they don't understand that there's five gears and they're only working with two or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I really do think the starting place is that we don't know what those provisions are or that we don't really feel like we need them. You know, we feel like, and and we never say it this way, but basically, you know, I, I can do this. I can pull this off. And what happens is... Once we start operating in that, that manner and basically trying to bring um, human nature and, and, and um, disciplined flesh mm-hmm. to the equation, go long enough and either you will get worn out mm-hmm. and you will walk away from it. Yeah. Or what happens more often is we begin to dumb down the standards. And so we find things that we can actually pull off. In well-disciplined flesh. And so the highest goal oftentimes in churches, you know, stay away from pornography. Don't get drunk. Uh, don't lie. You know, things that Mormons can do. Uh, as opposed to saying, no, no, you go out and you blindside people
1: mm-hmm. every
0: day with a glimpse mm-hmm. of the supernatural yes. that you alone can uh, can display. Oh, so. there's
1: such a difference. Such mm-hmm. a difference. Oh, that's exciting. Wow. Well, let's, let's look at these provisions that he's given us then. Uh, purity is one that he's given us. What, what is the starting point for our new purity that our listeners need to understand? Well, that,
0: that's in the New Covenant. That's really the, the, the one that's emphasized the most. In Jeremiah, he says, uh, there's sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Uh, in Ezekiel, he says, uh, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And what we call that in the, in the um, New Testament is justification, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means this, is that when God looks down, once, we've, once we have trusted Christ and only Christ for the forgiveness of sins, yes. you know, we've humbled ourselves enough to receive the free gift. We're now new creations in Christ. I think what justification says is that when God looks at you and he looks at me, the first thing that he sees is not us. He sees his son enveloping us from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossians 3, our life is hidden with Christ in God. So I like to ask people in that regard, When God looks at you, what's the expression on his face? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, is he disappointed? Is he angry? Is he bored? I mean, what's what's the expression on his face? And what justification says in the impurity is he is grinning from ear to ear. Delight. He's absolute delight. Because when he looks at his son, we find Mm -hmm. that he rips the heavens in two and virtually shouts, this is my beloved son Uh in whom I am well pleased. And you and I live in the rainforest of the incessant delight of God's love for his son dripping down on us Uh moment by moment. Yes. And so that's the starting place is to know there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And this, I think, is a really important issue. And that's why one of the things I talk about in this, in this book is that uh, the first thing he does is give us a vigorous assurance of, 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 of salvation, not a tentative one. Because mm-hmm. too often in the church, what's happened is we're so afraid that people will abuse grace that we pull the reins back to make sure that doesn't happen. And so basically what happens is people trust Christ and they're told, yes, you are saved as long as you X, don't go this far out, you know, commit this many sins. right? Or, uh, yes, you're saved as long as you live this certain kind of life, but if you don't live it, uh, it demonstrates you probably were never saved in the first place. Scripture does not do that. God takes the risk and he says, no, number one thing I want you to know is eternity is squared away. Eternity squared away. You will spend all of eternity in a place where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. You and I will feast on on, on one another. Mm-hmm. That is a done deal. I don't want you ever worrying about it again. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of like if, if my son came up to me and, and after he had you know done something really bad and said, "Dad, could I keep being in Edwards?" Mm. And I would say, that was never an issue.
1: Never. That was never an issue.
0: So the starting place is, as I said, this vigorous assurance of salvation. And you find this in Romans in particular, where Paul says, for where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. more. In other words, grace plus one cancels out all sin. Now, the natural thought is, well, gosh, if that's the case, maybe I should just sin all that I want and let grace go even Mm -hmm. further. And he anticipates that question in Romans 6, 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, wallow in sin, that grace may abound? And his answer is basically this. No, but I can see why you would ask that question, given what I just said about grace. Uh My concern is nobody's asking that question today. Very few. Very few are asking the question. You mean I'm really free to live any way I want? We're so hemming people in. We're so trying to to keep them in check and to to not dishonor the Lord. And part of that is a a good motive. But we've taken away the very thing that takes their breath away.
1: Yes. yes. You know,
0: that absolutely stuns them to walk into a world and say, I cannot believe that I belong to this kind of God. You need to know about him.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's the grace factor, isn't it? It is not it I mean, it is truly the grace factor. Uh, You know, you've pointed out the grace factor with God is unlike any other world's religion. Absolutely. Because in all other religions, it is about what you do. Absolutely. I mean, they're working so hard to get to heaven. Uh, and, and and it astounds me, uh, as it did Paul in Galatians 5. Why would you go back and be exactly. you know yoked again, uh, be bound by, by the chains of legalism? But we do that. We see that in the church today. Oh, absolutely. We see so many fruit inspectors, I call right. it, where we're trying to determine if someone's That's a right. Christian. That's right. Uh, How that must grieve the Lord. Uh,
0: Well, I I think it's interesting that, you know, God's very first movement towards man in Genesis chapter 1 distinguishes how he moves towards people from every other world religion. And and he said, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Every other religion says, be fruitful and multiply and God will bless you. In other words, every other religion says, do this and you'll be blessed. Christianity, God comes up front and says, no, no, blessing up front. Now, live out of the exuberance and the thrill of that. So, Paul will start Ephesians, and he'll say, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies of Christ. And then he ransacks all that salvation has to offer for three chapters. And when you're just overwhelmed with resource, then he says, Now, walk worthy. Walk. Awkwardly. But it's exactly the opposite of what every other world religion does. Absolutely.
1: You know, Dave Anderson says the hardest thing for an unbeliever to grasp is the substitutionary death of Christ. And the hardest thing for a believer to grasp is the substitutionary life of Christ. Uh, would you agree? Absolutely. And, yeah. That's one of my
0: favorite statements of, yeah. of Dave. And let me just say, you know, Dave was the one more than anybody else that laid the spiritual foundation for me. Oh. You know, he was the yeah. one 40 years ago that took me under his wing and discipled me and mentored me. And so, you know, really, he's the one that, that laid the roots for everything we're talking about yes, uh, here. Yes. And I love that statement because he's exactly right.
1: And, but why is it so hard for a, for a believer to accept that life that that, that is in us?
0: Well, again, one, I would go back to ignorance. I mean, sometimes it's it's just shocking. I put this, people today are far more aware of what's wrong with them than what's right with them. Mm -hmm. People today can give you far greater detail about the dysfunctionality of the home they grew up in, the different wounds of abuse that they suffered, um, you know, the, their personality traits and how that's thrown, thrown you know, is, is working against them. Then they can tell you who they are in Christ. Uh, so I think that becomes a huge issue. You know, um,
1: is it biblical illiteracy or is it well, getting in the word but not understanding? I, what I think
0: reading? I think both. I think yeah. it's 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 getting in the word and not having anyone to direct. I, yeah. I, honestly i have laid the fault at many pastors and teachers we 're not mm-hmm. teaching this the vast majority of teaching in our churches today is behavior modification. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of it is True. do this or and don 't do that mm-hmm. and something the flesh loves to be able to take in okay there 's the line okay i 'm going to make sure i don 't cross it or i 'm going to go over here so that you know i 'll make sure that god God blesses me um, whereas I think the real call of scripture is just fall in love with Jesus. Uh, yes. Just know, be head over heels in love with him and, 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 and drink dry the river that he's placed within you. Mm-hmm. And the byproduct is you're going to live you know, different, a different way. So part, part of it is, is ignorance and part of it is pride. Uh, part, part of it is just saying, you know, and we all have a, a head theology and we have a heart theology. And, and our heart's trying to catch up with our head, you know, mm-hmm. much of the time. And even though intellectually we can read the verses and know it says, apart from me, you can do nothing, it hadn't really stuck <laughs> in uh, down here.
1: Uh, I love First Corinthians one thirty, which really summarizes what, Christ uh, became for us, uh, and it says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification uh, and redemption. How might we practically use that in our, in our day-to-day reminder to ourselves of who we are in Christ?
0: Right, great. Well, I like to say that all the good in our life is borrowed good, in other words, the only thing we bring to the table of spirituality is bankruptcy. Now, now, then we make the choice as to whether we're going to appropriate or not. There's a story told I love along these lines. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, the great uh, publisher, at one point got uh, really interested in art. And you know he had the wherewithal to begin buying paintings all over the world. And he'd been doing it for a couple of years, and there was this one painting that he couldn't, could not track down. I mean, he, he saw the picture of it. He thought it would be great, and he, he, he couldn't find it. And so finally he, he, he hired an art detective to literally go all over the world mm-hmm. to, run, to run down this, this painting. Mm-hmm. And after about six months, the detective came back to set up an appointment. He said, well, Mr. Hurst, I've got good news for you and I've got bad news. So Hurst says, okay, well, what's, what's the good news? The good news is we found your painting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The bad news is it's in your warehouse. It's been there the whole time.
1: Oh, wow. And I I think that's the story
0: of so many (laughs) believers, you know, because we say, Lord, give me more joy. And God says, no, no, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. joy. You know, God, give me more strength. No, God has given us it's not the spirit of timidity, but power and of love and of self, that's not mine. So, you know, it's just that constant falling back mm-hmm. on resources not our own to produce a good not our own.
1: Yes, yes. Regard. And I think, you know, like wisdom, we're also always saying, oh, I just need wisdom. And he said, ask me. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> ask me for wisdom and I'll give it to you. Exactly. And so oftentimes it's just because we don't ask and it's, it's there available for us. Well, in, in addition to our new uh, our, uh, our purity and our new identity, we're given a new disposition, mm. uh, this desire to want to do the will of God. And you say in order to have that, we needed a heart transplant. <laughs> Expound on that a little bit. Well,
0: and I'd say this, in my estimation, is the most undertaught mm. of all of the new covenant uh, provisions. You know, when he says in Jeremiah... Um, I will write my law on their hearts. What he's saying is, in the, in the old covenant, I wrote law on, on, on stone mm-hmm. and imposed it. New covenant, I'm going to do what was never done before. I'm going to come in and actually create heart etchings. I'm going to give you a heart transplant. Ezekiel puts it this way, a new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And so the basic idea is this, and it's one of the most liberating truths I think a Christian can ever come across. The desire to do the will of God is the gift of God. It's not my maturity, it's not my discipline, it's not my self-control, it's, it's not doing this or that. It is flat out the gift of God that's, that's given the moment that we trust Christ. So, for instance, Paul will say, uh, it is, is God who works in us both to... Will And, and that will's not, the better translation is desire. It's, mm-hmm. it's the leo. It's, it's a more emotive term. So it's much better okay. translated. as yeah. God who works us both to desire and to do on behalf of his goodwill. He not only gives us the power, mm-hmm. but he also gives us the, the desire. Now, uh, I realize at times it doesn't feel like that, mm-hmm. you know, that we all hit times. Well, you know, if this is true, somebody better tell my inner man about it. Yes. It doesn't mean it isn't there. It just means that something is temporarily covering it. In other words, just because something doesn't seem real doesn't mean it isn't real. So in the winter, you go up in the northeast and you walk by a pond, uh, you'll see nothing but ice. And you'll think there's no water anywhere. But the fact is, beneath, there is water. Mm -hmm. uh, So for believers, as I said, there's always something deeper in us than the competing passions, than the idolatry that we all struggle with and so forth. And so um, I like to think of it in, in, in these terms. Why should you read your Bible? Why should I read my Bible? You know, there's so many good reasons. It gives us wisdom. It, 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 it gives us um, direction. It leads us to the person of Christ. There's so many good reasons. But let me suggest this. Maybe one of the reasons you should read your Bible is because you want to. Yeah. If you'll go down deep enough, you'll find... You know, uh, Paul wrote to the uh, Thessalonians. He says, now concerning brotherly love, I have no need to write to you for your God taught to love one another. Mm-hmm. Go down deep enough and you'll find there's something wonderful. Why should we pray? Yes. Well, ultimately, because we want to. Yes. You know, yes. so forth. So this is the I, I think one of the great, great liberating truths of Christianity mm-hmm. that I like to put it this way. For much, much of my life. As a pastor and presenting the Word of God, my approach to ministry is what I like to call eat your vegetables. And so the idea is this. You people in front of me, I know you don't really want to do the will of God, but it's good for you. So here's the reasons I'm going to give you to eat your vegetables. Uh-huh. You know, it, uh-huh. it, and I realized you know, through... You know, coming into these truths and so forth that, no, it's here's your steak, here's your filet mignon, here's yeah. what, you know, your cookies and cream, whatever it's going to be. Words, don't. <laughs> pe- people do Because people don't change unless they believe they're trading up. Mm-hmm. I think this is so important. Yeah. It, unless people believe that, wait, if I give up this to take hold of this— it's an upgrade.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that's what all this is, is teaching.
1: A story that comes to my mind, I had a, a dear friend, I, I mentor young women, and, and there was this young woman who was a single woman, and she just so wanted to be married and, and what have you, and she said, I, I'm i I'm, I'm, trying harder to yes. be a better Christian, right, exactly. so all these things. And so she was reading the Bible through in a year, and right. she had missed a few days. She was worried about that. And I said, oh, I said, have you ever realized how much the Lord wants to have a date with you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he longs for you to say, let's get together in the morning. Let's get together this evening. And he wants to just not only you know whisper you sweet nothings, but sweet truths that Absolutely. are going to tra- transform your life. And I said, just give it a try. Yeah. I said, find a special place where you and the Lord can have a date and see if you don't just love it. She began that, Dwight, and and continued That's it. Awesome. She could not wait yes. to have her date time with the Lord. And, you know, he eventually did bring a godly young man yeah. into her life. But it was when she be- quit searching and began focusing on the lover of her soul. Exactly. Who is Jesus. So That's I what it's all about. I
0: love that story because... <sighs> You know, that's what God wants first and foremost is just to, you know, pull up our chair and just spend time with him, loving yes. him, talking yes. with him, you know, enjoying him, you know, so forth. And mm-hmm. and everything he's given to us leads us in that that, that direction.
1: What are some indications uh, that you might point out to those listening that, to know that, yes, God has given you this new disposition? Uh, anything that comes to your mind well, as far as Well, actually,
0: wow? in a funny way, I would say uh, one of the clearest indications that God's given you this new disposition is struggle. Mm. Struggle is a great thing because it shows there's life. If there's no life, there's no struggle. Yeah. So the fact that, number one, that, that you, you know you, there's something in you that militates about going the wrong way— mm is it's just no way of saying there's a new disposition. Now we want to get past that right. and get down to where, you know, we're just glutting ourselves in God, mm-hmm. you know, th- that we're just diving headlong into the banquet table, you know, and yeah. just, I love this uh, Isaiah 55. It says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you labor for what does not satisfy hearken diligently to me, eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in the richest affair. Uh, he know.
1: says it all right there. Exactly. Doesn't he? <laughs>
0: exactly. So, um, Sure.
1: So if we're so if we're struggling to think, oh, I don't know that I'm doing the right thing. I don't. Well, we probably that's probably are a good time. That's right. Sign. That's that's that's,
0: that's a good time. And I and point. I would just say too, um, to be able to be quiet and just go down as deep as you can go. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was counseling with a woman one time. I'll never forget this. Um, and she was just, you know, walked in furious, angry. She's ready to divorce her husband. You know, all the different reasons. And I asked her, I said, so what do you want? And she looked at me, and she said, I want a divorce. Mm. said, you know, I can understand that. And I'm going to ask you another question. I want you to take a little bit of time. What do you really want? Go down deep enough that you can answer that. And she thought for just a little bit, and then tears started streaming down her eyes. And she said, I want my husband to love me. Oh." Okay, you got to the good part. Yes. You know, yes. you got to the guy within you uh-huh. right Right there. So Absolutely. it's just an idea, you know, of being willing to go down deep enough to hear, mm-hmm. you know. So Paul writes in Romans 7, I, according to the inward man, delight in the law of God. Yeah. And it's actually the word we get hedonism from. Mm-hmm. He, Paul says, I'm a co-hedonist with, with the law of God in the deep parts of my being.
1: Love it. You know, I was a prodigal daughter for many, many years, Dwight, because I was saved as a child yeah. Totally turned away from the Lord for many, many years, which I will always regret, the losing of those years. But one of the things after reading your book, I, I recalled that something that really struck me within that I had truly turned the corner, that I was home, that I was back in my father's arms was that I had this desire to seek him. I had a desire to listen to Christian music. I had yeah, Exactly. During that time of rebellion, I didn't yeah. want to listen to Christian songs. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to open his word. I didn't want to be around other Christians. Right. Uh, but, but I knew that in my heart, no one else might could see that, but I knew in my heart that my disposition had changed and I could just praise him for that. Yes. It was a beautiful thing.
0: You know, that's, and it, No matter where we are, he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I was taught in a seminar. A guy came up to me. This is the most amazing story that I've I've ever heard in this. He said, you know, I became a believer when I was a sophomore in high school up in, uh, I think, Michigan. And he said, then our family the next year moved down to Texas. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'll be around other Christians and so forth. Well, he got down here, got burned by other Christians. Things were going really, really badly for him. And he said, one night, he said, I got down on my knees and I said, Lord Jesus, the way that I invited you into my life two years ago, I'm inviting you out. Oh, <laughs> Seriously. He said, I'm, I'm telling you, leave. I do not oh. want you anymore. Oh. He said, I prayed the prayer to get him out. And I realized now he's still there. So he says, and 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 so he, the long short is that he did, didn't do well. He went, went off into jail and so forth, mm-hmm. and then came back, and he said, "You know what?" But the whole time, I knew he was there. Mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't escape that deepest part of my being. Yes. You know, so
1: yes, and and how comforting for him Absolutely. to know Absolutely. that God had not left. He yeah. was the one that left, right? Uh, exactly. Right. Uh, Well, this has been, this has been awesome. Well, you know, we've talked about our new purity, our new identity, our new disposition. Uh, we're going to get next week into the, the issue of our fourth provision, but, uh, Without this fourth provision, our new power, uh, there's going to be a lot of frustration there. Absolutely. There There is. Because our uh, flesh is still going to try to help out and and make all these things happen. So we'll have to have you back then next week. We'll get into uh, the power that God has given us. You know, how encouraging it is to know that God has made every provision for us to live supernatural lives. Now, we would love to get your feedback on today's discussion. We welcome your comments and your questions. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. Send your emails to savinggrace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Saving Grace Cast. Our prayer is that you will always desire to learn more from God's Word through this podcast, through Grace School of Theology. Please tell others about our podcast. It's a great way to introduce family and friends to God's amazing grace. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned, and it can never be lost.
0: You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Great School of Theology or its leadership.